podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready? Play. Good afternoon from Malaga and good morning from somewhere central in the US, right, Craig? Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is the capital, right? It is the capital of Texas, exactly. Lance Armstrong, is that his? Uh, this is Lance's country. He's, he spent a lot of time. It's, it's a lot of undulating terrain, a lot of hills, great for biking. Biking is everywhere here. Are you a biker? My wife is. No, I, I was out on my bike this morning on my mountain bike, running my dogs on the trail behind my house. So that's that's about the extent of my biking. Craig, you're certainly an early riser. And I noticed it from your picks at Wimbledon this year uh, as you were enjoying the the early uh, opportunities to, to taste, taste and savor center court. But we're not here to talk about Wimbledon. That's for the European summer. We're in the midst of European winter, although fortunately here in Malaga, it's still uh, pretty sunny. So let's get to Turin. You were there, right? Yes, I was. Yeah, for the for the yeah. uh, almost the entire time, I I came back Saturday and then did a report for the ATP on Sunday here from Austin. Got it. Okay, let's get to let's begin with the final. I, I think we have to. Um, I, the first question I have for you regarding the final is sort of where was it won and lost, especially thinking about the round robin stage and some of the differences between those two matches. Yeah, I was courtside, front row, right on the baseline for the round-robin match between Novak and Yannick. And um, when Novak gets a little passive, you know, when he's not quite, you know, dictating out there on the court, he hits too many backhands. That, that's, that's the MO. He always has, when I worked with him 2017 to 2019, I was always cognizant of, the, the backhand to forehand ratio. When he's humming, he's hit, he's looking for that runaround forehand. The runaround forehand has three benefits: it's upgrade, double, and freeze. The upgrade is <clears throat> I'm putting, you know, I'm putting the, the forehand and the backhand is the sword and the shield. So when the ball is hit to his backhand, instead of him using his shield, he puts the shield down and picks the sword up. From the back of the court, it's about seventy-five percent winners from from the forehand side. So certainly um, when he hits the runaround forehand, which accounts for the majority, the runaround forehand for Novak in the ad court has more forehand winners than, than forehands in the juice court. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal to hit the runaround forehand. Secondly, you can double the target area. You can go inside in, inside out, much easier than with the backhand. The backhand sometimes is even inside out going down the line. And lastly is, is that you freeze the opponent so that, when you do the runaround forehand, they can't tell from your positioning where it's going. So upgrade double freeze really makes the runaround forehand very, very potent. And when Novak's not hunting that and he's and he's settling for backhand, sometimes when he gets nervous, he knows the backhand's going to go in. He, he doesn't mind hitting backhands, but it's not really hurting opponents. He got away with it in Paris in the final. He had a lot of backhands. But in this match, Sinner was crushing backhands he was just roping them to you know corner to corner through the ad court and it was to Sinner's benefit and Novak you know didn't really pick that up he 
you know, he was cruising to a five all in the first set, five all 40 love. Um, and he loses that game. He got tight. He served a double fold of juice. Center was crushing balls. He hit a Novak served and volleyed at 40 love. Probably shouldn't have because it gave Center a target. Center hit a, um, a backhand winner that went right through the line. And, and from then on, Novak got immediately got into it with the crowd. You know, the arms are going up. And, and he got distracted. And, and um, he didn't see the, the game plan as clearly as he needed to. And Sinner was just dominating ad court exchanges. Sinner was the one wearing the pants from the baseline. And because Novak was distracted, he didn't pick up on all of this. So for the rest of the match, he was all, even though it was 7-6 in the third, it was one of those matches where it was just a matter of time. Yannick was always had the better strategy. Novak was having to dip into lower, excuse me, higher risk patterns of play. And, um, you know, Yannick won. But in the final, he adjusted. I don't know whether he read my analysis. It, it kind of looks like the, the carbon copy of what he should do if he had a Reddit. Um, but he came out firing. He came out looking for forehands. He came out dictating with his forehands. He said he changed strategy. So we're going to assume he did. And uh, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you make that adjustment? So he played He played much better and much more um, strategically in his favour in the final. Sorry, John, I just can't, I can't hear you right now. <clears throat> I put myself on mute, Craig, and forgot to take it off. Yeah, well, that um, happens to the best of us. <laughs> Maybe that happened to Novak in his first encounter mm. and, he, and it didn't happen to him in the final with, with Sinner. Um, what I was really interested in, and it's great that we've got you on right now, because actually strategy was something that was mentioned quite a bit uh, by both players in a way. That yeah. Yannick said he expected a different Novak in the final and a, a different strategy. Novak talked about some of the things that happened to him in his press conference, I think, in the first match when, when he was, said he was maybe a bit too passive on, in the big moments and the big points and that that wouldn't happen again. And, and of course, they did end up playing in the final. So I, I thought that sort of conversation, I think I remember Yannick saying something like, I know he's got a plan or he's, I know he's going to be different. Uh, in the final, and I thought that element was was particularly intriguing, but particularly how the final went. If we got the same result, then then we could have maybe thrown changes of plans and strategies out the window. But because we got a, a wildly different result, I thought that was particularly intriguing. Um, what about Sinner? What could he, and should he have done maybe different in the final? Yeah, I, and just before I answer that, going back to sure. to what you said, there's an, the other layer of that is. It's, it's, it's a monumental achievement to beat Novak at any stage, you know, especially in a year like this where he's dominating so much. I think he only lost six matches for the entire year. But to beat him once, um, congratulations. That's awesome. To beat him twice in a row, almost, <clears throat> almost impossible. Almost impossible. So the fact that Yannick had won the first encounter, I think just in general from a belief standpoint – from now, Novak's got um, a lot more motivation. He's got revenge on his side. He's got the final. He's got his legacy. He's got, you know, adding to his career. I think he's up to 98 or 99 tournament victories now. To beat Novak twice in a row is, is literally almost impossible. So, so Yannick had that against him. Yannick tapped out early and panicked too early in the point in the final. Um, and... 
I would give Novak a lot of credit for that because Novak came out pummeling forehands. His forehand, average forehand speed was was much higher than Yannick's. I, I don't remember exactly, but it was significantly higher. And <clears throat> so now Yannick's playing a little bit more off the back foot. Yannick's forehand historically is the side that can get loose. You know, his backswing is quick. His backswing is quite big. He, he, he goes after it. You know, he doesn't have a great defensive forehand when he gets pushed into that corner position A out wide in the juice court. That's historically where he starts spraying forehands. He is improving in that area. It did get better, but he didn't, he wasn't tested in that area area in the round robin stage because there was just so many backhand and backhand exchanges. But in the final, Novak made sure that that he bought extra speed to that corner and extra pressure to that corner. And early on, I you know, I, I wrote about I think, you know, Novak hit, you know, his first eleven forehands, I think he extracted four, five, maybe even six errors from Yannick's side of the side of the court. And um and and right from the start, you know, Novak going up three one, it just had a completely different feel than the semifinal. And you just tell on Yannick's face, he's he, you know, he he wears, even though he's by far the um, strongest mentally slash emotionally of the entire group um, out of the eight players. He doesn't get as upset. He doesn't get as mad. He doesn't get as frustrated. He doesn't slam his knee eight times in a row like like Rublev's doing out there. Um, you know, he just he, he does. You know, he keeps the toys in the pram and and goes about his business. But you can just tell on his face early on is like this is a different deal. This is going to be much tougher. Um, and, and Novak was coming at him, and that's why he 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 couldn't dictate nearly as much as he did in in that uh, in the round robin because it was much more of a forehand dominated match rather than backhand. Do you think with Yannick in that final um, that there was any difference as well in terms of expectation, in terms of the pressure that would obviously building throughout the week with every match that he was winning so incredibly? I think his backhand was on fire in the semifinal against Medvedev. But also Italy was getting a bit of tennis fever, I think, and, and the Carotta boys and the emotion within the stadium. And do you think that may have played any particular role, particularly as, as Yannick took a set and a half to settle to some extent? I mean, maybe we're taking away a bit from Novak in terms of his incredible performance. But just looking at, at, at Sinner, was he, you know, pulling the trigger too quickly is something you touched on, panicking a bit too early in rallies. Was that well, a mental we, thing, do you think, at all? Yeah, we, we didn't see this problem up until the final. So it was a Davis Cup-style um, crowd in there. You know, the Italians have finally got someone that they can get behind. You know, certainly there was Berrettini for a while, but not at the ATP finals. He played a set and rolled his ankle and, you know, Matteo has been missing at this event. So, you know, to have Yannick um, there, the Italians just went eight droppings. You know, it, it was, it was unbelievable the amount of energy um, in that stadium. And, and that, that's a good thing. That, that's a great thing for our sport. Um, and it didn't bother Novak until he got down, until he was, you know, behind. Then he, then he, you know, he's a little negative and he's a little pissed off and and he's like, okay, I'm going to go engage this crowd because I I need to let out some of this, some of this energy. I need to, you know, kind of press press the pressure meter. And and sometimes he screams at his box, you know, which happened less in this event. It's still a little bit, but but happened less. Um, but boy, was he. 
he was so locked on, so positive, so ready to go. And uh, things were very clear in his mind. So I think from the final, we go back to the three-round Robin matches in the semifinal. Yannick was in superb form. He, he played extremely well. Um, and, and we just didn't see him kind of shocked and, and, and bullied around the court like we did in the final. So I think, I, I don't think it was the crowd because, you know, Yannick had had that for four matches. I, I think the crowd helped him. I think he handled that well. I just think it was Novak um, finding the right game plan. <clears throat> Thank you, Craig. And, um, and, and going and executing it and, and ripping forehands and taking it to him instead of hoping the opponent was going to give it to him. Fair enough. Let's have a quick look at uh, one or two other players that, that did uh, take, take part at least, uh, albeit that they got taken apart or one, on one of these occasions got taken apart by Novak, and that's Carlos. Where does Carlos need to improve in these conditions in particular, in, indoors in Turin, to take the next step? Yeah, I watched his first match and uh, he looked very, you know, I say very average. Um, for the number two player in the world, for how amazing he is, uh, he set the bar so high and he, you know, the, the problem for Carlos wasn't this event. It was the lead up to this event. You know, it was fractured. It, you know, it, there was problems with injury. There was problems with plantar fasciitis. I just had it for a year. In my right yeah. foot, I, I couldn't shake it for a year. Yeah, it's it's a horrible thing because it hurts mm -hmm. like crazy. It, it hurts your movement. You also had a lower back problem. So at least you know we we know of those two things. There's probably two or three other niggles that he had. So his preparation wasn't good, and I would put I would put down his not making the final. I mean, he's still he's still. You know, even though after that first loss, he still made it out. But he's just hes just not quite there at the moment. The forehand's spraying too much. The forehand's too big. He's, you know, he, he needs, because he's off a little bit, he needs to defend a little bit more um, and stay in the point and get his reps and make the opponent change direction under, under duress rather than him changing direction. So, you know, I think Carlos did about as good as he possibly could um, with the, you know, the, the, the lead-in that was just not ideal for him. What about uh, Daniel Medvedev? Where does he go from here? I mean, actually, this time a year ago, the, the future and the immediate future looked pretty bleak for Daniel, having had the sort of post-Australia hangover, if you like, that carried yeah. on throughout the year. And in fact, we had a resurgence in February this year. And actually, I guess, outside of the slams, and you could even say with the slams, if you think about Wimbledon and the US Open, but he's actually had a good year in, in a way. So what about next year? I mean, it, it, the problem is, is that I think you'll probably, you may well agree that Runa should improve, you know, especially physically. Carlos won't be absent for that long, I don't think. Novak's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, you know, and there's one of Yannick Sinner, I mean, is, is now arguably a Grand Slam contender. Um, where does that leave Daniel Medvedev in the, yeah. in, the, in the pie, if you like? Well, you've certainly added Sinner to the mix. Sinner is now elevated to a level that he hasn't before. He is definitely a Grand Slam contender. You know, he, he had match point on Alcaraz when Alcaraz won the US Open. He could have won it that, that year. Um, he's been sniffing right around for a while. And now he's finally broken through that win against Novak. That that's gonna 
buoy his confidence for the next 12 months. He's going to live off that for the next 12 months, feed off that. So um, for Medvedev, he's, he's doing nothing wrong. You know, his game is good. Um, you know, I'd like to see him next year not be as emotional under pressure. I'd like to see him a little bit more like Sinner. Sinner keeps it together better than all those guys. You know, it's Medvedev can engage in the crowd and, you know, in a, in quite a negative way. And, um, and he just needs to stick to tennis, stick to tennis, stick to hitting the ball, stick to taking titles, stick to, you know, keeping your head in the game and winning these, these big matches. So I'd like to see him less emotional. And I think just that will create the clarity under pressure in these big matches to find those two or three or four points that he needs to turn a loss into a victory. So he's in a good place. He's an excellent player. Um, I'd like for him to, you know, to go to the net a little bit more, not only when he has to, but, you know, he, he dominates so well from the back of the court. But hunt the short ball. Hit that deep ball. Get the short ball back. And don't be content to go another three or four balls. Become a little bit more of an all-court player and, and pressure at the net where the win percentage is always so much better. And... Um, He'll be in a good place. I, I, I think he's going to be, you know, it's certainly one of the top four players next year on tour. Okay, I've got one more for you, Craig. And it's this Boris becker Holgeruna partnership. But you can also tell me about, you know, Holger and, and 2024 and maybe where, where he could go and where maybe he needs to improve. Yeah, I think Boris is a great um, addition to uh, to his team. You know, you've got Holger who's, a young player, somewhat of an impulsive player, um, unbelievably good at coming forward. You know, this is who Medvedev should look at and, and just go and look at Holger Rune playing because anything a little bit short, Holger's all over the net. So, you know, that's – Boris brings credibility to win big titles. When you've got a coach, you know, this great picture you've got there, when you're looking in your coach's eyes – and your coach has been number one, your coach has won um, multiple Grand Slams, um, has been an, an icon of our sport from a young age, I think it's a great mix. And, you know, Boris is coming out of personal troubles and for him to be, you know, readily accepted by the rest of the tennis community and tennis fraternity straight back on tour, um, Boris was so engaging uh, at in interim, I was in the front row. He was about 15 seats down on my right. And he was standing constantly. Um, to start with, I thought, well, his leg's sore. He needs to stand because, you know, his knee's bad. But, it, you know, it's it. he brought so much energy to Holger and so much positive energy, but also strength as well. So I think that that is a really good connection. I think Holger will benefit from that for sure. Um, and I think Holger Rune has a, an, an excellent year next year. You know, a really good year. He's got such a good all-court game. Probably the best all-court game since Federer, since Federer retired. So his ability to jump on a short ball, his ability to attack, his ability to serve and volley, his ability to, to come forward with a forehand down the line when standing with two feet behind the baseline is, is probably the gold standard right now. And he just needs... You know, the forehand can get a bit impulsive. He can spray a bit with that. He can get too antsy when things aren't going his way. You know, you can see the, 
you know, the, the nerves go up a little bit. He just needs to stay calm. He needs to chill. He needs to breathe. He needs to take his time. There's nothing that he, you know, there's no problem that he needs to solve. He just needs to not beat himself. And and those are the, the messages that, that he needs to um, really take on board for next year. And, you know, he at some stage next year, he could be number two in the world, challenging Novak for number one. Craig, huge thanks for coming on and, and squeezing Pleasure. us into your busy schedule. And uh, enjoy the rest of the year and um, catch up with you sometime in 2024. Enjoy Davis Cup. Uh, I will. Forza, Forza Italia. Yeah. Oh, you, you, you're backing the Italians, are you? By the way, I, well, I've you... been I've been working with them for eight years, and I'll be I'll be assisting in Davis Cup. So let's let's hope they finish strong. Makes sense. And make sure you check out Craig's Brain Game, and also check him out on uh, Twitter as well, and all the socials. Uh, big thanks, Craig, and we'll catch up with you next year. Pleasure. See you, mate. Bye. Bye, bye. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.